Welcome to the number one podcast covering Michigan State basketball. The Final Four is not in the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I have listened to your guys' podcasts numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am big fans of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold. And Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're gonna lose. Coming down the stretch, you're gonna lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod, here to talk about MSU's 73-55 win over Rutgers at the Breslin this afternoon. A special thanks to all of you who support the show financially over at tffinots.com support, and especially those of you who continue to listen and share the show with your friends and family. Big thank you to those starting to leave five-star reviews on your podcast players, especially Spotify, that created a new show through some sort of mess up on their end. Uh, we're still trying to work on getting that cleared up, but you know, continue leaving those reviews. It really helps the algorithms and other Spartan fans find the show. Anyway, this was a game that Michigan State had to get. We talked about it before the game. The Spartans now moved to 2-4 in the league and tied for 11th uh, on the back of a pretty good offensive effort, despite Rutgers shooting the ball much better than usual from behind the arc. The game was definitely in doubt partway through the second half until Michigan State went on a 19-0 run to ice the game. Uh, the unexpected highlight of the game came at the end, of course, as Steven Izzo took starter Austin Williams off the dribble for an and one on a shot that looks <laughs> kind of like it belonged in the Hoosiers movie as it bounced around on the rim until it finally fell through. Uh, it was a, a interesting day, as I was we were talking before, we came on the air about the snow, snowmageddon. Uh, it depends on where you're coming from. It was very cold in East Lansing. It wasn't quite as cold out here in Grand Rapids, but we got nine inches of snow overnight, and so I had to clear out my driveway before we headed out the road. And then once we hit Portland, right where Nudge Printing is, it seems to be kind of the end of the snow belt. And then the sun came out and it was just cold. Uh, so anyway, hopefully everyone's staying warm and ready for the Lions game, which we're trying to get this recorded before that big game starts, which is actually funny about at least two instances during the game. The Let's Go Lions chant broke out in the, the crowd. Which... Yeah, you could you could hear it on TV and they mentioned it on the broadcast. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it had to, they had to wait until the game was no longer in doubt. That was like later in the game. Sure. <laughs> Let me just say sure. That. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, I thought overall it was, it was a fun to get back to Breslin. Obviously, Michigan State was happy to be back and back home as well. And the shooting was much better improved. And the defense was very good too against a team that was, that really struggled uh, defensively. I thought even, or offensively, and even I think when Rutgers hitting shots and, they were not the easy. There were a couple that were left open, but for the most part, Michigan State was not making it super easy. They were just hitting a lot of threes that I think, you know, ordinarily they don't make. And they, yeah. the second half, they missed a couple of those, and which they looked like, you know, what you had expected earlier. But it just shows you, you know, you got to stay on your game because teams can bring it for a little while. And, you know, these are Division One, you know, Power Five conference, you know, level athletes. They can, they can hurt you if you're not careful. And it was okay. definitely in doubt. I don't know what, it, what that run started, but it seemed like about 13 minutes left in the game, yeah, maybe, or something like somewhere that. Somewhere 15, 14, 13, yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, look, great, great day in, in terms of the first thing is obviously Michigan State getting another win. Yeah, right. Which you had to do they, that. They really needed to do. That's the first thing. Second thing, 
getting a win in impressive fashion by an impressive margin. And, you know, I've been having some discussion about this, and I think we talked about it yeah. uh, in the preview, mm-hmm. that one feature of this Michigan State team, which we don't, I will say don't always, I could even maybe say rarely see, is that I understand the one loss record doesn't look the way you anybody wanted it to or expected it to. And, you know, fun, fundamentally, losing close games against good opponents doesn't feel great in some ways feels worse. <laughs> yeah, right. But, exactly. But what this team has done, at least to date, is against bad or outmatched opposition, they've pounded them. Yeah. Meaning win by 15 plus. Michigan, if you want the answer fundamentally to why Michigan State still ranks so highly in pretty much any of the metric systems you want to look at, Net, Ken Palm, Torvik, all right. the major ones, it's it's that. It's that they pound mediocre and bad teams, and if they lose against a good team, they don't get pounded. They play competitively. Mm-hmm. You know, that formula, we, we talked about it a lot last year in regard to Ohio State. Like, how is this team, with the record that they've got, still in pretty decent position in terms of the metrics? And that was why. Mm-hmm. They didn't get blown out, and they did beat a lot of bad teams by big margins. Now, you can argue, as I did last year in regard to Ohio State, that at least with in some of the systems, that's, in my mind, a bit of a flaw. Yeah, right. Um. I'll take it for Michigan State <laughs> this year, but yeah. it is it is I think an indication that those things aren't perfect yet, and they need to be the, the, that element needs to be looked at because what it what it tells you in in some instances definitely in Michigan State's case I think if you want to extrapolate to what it actually means to the real world is as they said on the broadcast. Michigan State ceiling, you can see how high it is. Yeah. And you can understand when you see these games and in turn when you see them right there with other good opponents, um, you can see why they were regarded the way they were in the preseason. And you can also see what the potential still is of this team. So in that respect, it, it makes some sense because it is, I think, accurately, those rankings are accurately reflecting what this team is. It doesn't necessarily help you in in determining wins and losses because so many games, especially, again, against good opponents, are decided on a very fine line. And, you know, we saw the Illinois game. That game was winnable for Michigan State, Absolutely. But for a variety of reasons, some within their control, some outside of it, they didn't they didn't make the plays, the two or three plays they needed to make to get it done. And you know, that's it, it's frustrating, but I think it should also lead Michigan State fans to realize that, you know, talk about look, if this team, you know, I think it's a when, not if, but uh when they're in the NCAA tournament, regardless of where they're going to be seated, 
or or what the record is going to look like in comparison to who their opponents might be, they're going to have a shot. They're going to have a shot to to make a, a serious run. I still believe that. And mm-hmm. saying that about a 10 and 7 team might strike people as strange, and I get it, but truthfully, I think you see it. You should be seeing some of it with your eyes, but if you don't trust your eyes, you should see it in how Michigan State is regarded um, in the analytics world because it is telling you something about the quality of their team. It doesn't tell you are they going to start closing out these close games against good opponents on a regular basis. It doesn't answer that question. But it does tell you that, no, your eyes aren't deceiving you. This is a team with a, still with a great deal of potential. Let me just add just briefly, you know, I think, you know, we look at the tournament and everyone gets all worried about seeding. And yeah, it's great to have a number one seed for sure. I mean, you because I feel like the number one seed, <laughs> Purdue aside, it buys you a game, a free game in the NCAA tournament. But after Usually, that, you've yes. got, I mean, <laughs> but after that, it really doesn't, I mean, it, it helps, I guess you play eight, nine or something, but really you're still playing five tough games. I mean, so it, it doesn't really matter uh-huh. that much, right? It still comes down to matchups and who you kind of play, you know, how you're playing and who you're playing and what, how they're hot they are. And so you can get, you can get got by just kind of anywhere in that, in that seating outside of a 16 seat. Usually, I mean, obviously there've been two instances, but that's really right. all that matters. I mean, even a two seed, as we've seen, it doesn't mean that much. Yep, absolutely. And look, I would also say this, and I think we touched on this last year, uh, and the results bore it out for a variety of reasons, but I think more than anything, it is the effect of the portal and in turn in combination with that NIL, but but essentially the portal. Um, the difference in quality and potential between seed lines has never been lower in my yeah, life. I think you're right. Last year, bore it out. I mean, what do we have? We didn't have a single one seed in the tournament. I don't even remember who the highest seed was. Maybe it was Connecticut. I think it San was. Diego were, State. Yeah. It was, like I think a it was four? UConn. Yeah. Four or something. Yeah. It, and that's just the reality of it. And by the way, if you're paying attention to how the regular season this year is unfolding, you're <laughs> it seeing. It's a lot the same. <laughs> Plenty that suggests we're likely to have another go around like that. And I think for the foreseeable future, unless and until something changes that um, brings back roster continuity. And I, by the way, I do think that's entirely possible. It's going to take some fundamental changes as we've, we've talked about on this podcast before, but I do think that is possible. I might even say likely because I just don't think the powers that be like this. Yeah, it's not sustainable. From a product standpoint, their own coaches are, I'm sure, screaming about it. You know, but but for the time being, while we've got this, I think getting hung up on God, if we could be a four as opposed to a seven, isn't that big a deal? And I even you know, and the people say, oh, you just don't want to be. You know, in a situation where you're playing a one seed early, eh, I look at the teams that are supposed to be one seeds right now. None of them look to me like a juggernaut. None of them. Let's put it this way. If you told me Michigan State were playing any of those teams tomorrow on a neutral floor, I I, I certainly would not think OMSU is a decided favorite or even a favorite at all. But would I look at any of them and say, boy, 
we need, I think I said this the other day, we need to play our A game and they need to be yeah, at like right. a C, C plus. Not a chance in hell. There <laughs> just isn't that much difference. And, and the biggest thing is going to be where are you when the tournament starts? Right. Mm-hmm. Where's your team mentally? Are you in a rhythm? Are you playing well? And can you can you get on a heater for three weeks? Yep. And that's and that really is the truth. So concerns people have about that for Michigan State, I think are um they're not nothing they're not nothing, but they're not a whole lot. Yeah. Either. The one thing you would say is Michigan State this year did have an opportunity to perhaps, um, and I, I can't remember off the top of my head if it's the first weekend or if it's the regional uh, the regional finals, um, but Detroit is hosting. It's the first weekend, and I so, think, yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah. so that would be that would be unlikely at this mm-hmm. stage that, that MSU would be placed there. As of now, they certainly haven't earned that. Um, that might change sure, before yeah. it's all said and done. But, um, you know, if Michigan State closes the regular season strongly and goes on a run in the Big Ten tournament, would that be a total shocker? No, we've seen stranger things happen. But but for now, that would be the one thing. But even that, I mean, we saw Michigan State playing a second-round game against Syracuse in 2018. What happened? That's not a guarantee either. So I, I just... It's less. These things are less and less of a concern, and I think what it what it, the further we go into this era, and I think that the bottom line for me is a pretty simple one, which is good in a way. Uh, is MSU playing good basketball? Yep, that's really all I want to know. Are they in the tournament, and are they playing good basketball? After that, the rest of this stuff is minutia at this point. Once upon a time, it wasn't. There were there were legitimate reasons to to really want a high seed. Um, those are fewer now. That's just how I look at it. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, well, so let's get back to the game then. Talk about that. I guess um, notables. Uh, you know, Malik Hall led the, led with scoring for Michigan State, at 15 yeah. points, six rebounds. Uh, he was um, six of nine from the field, one for one for three. Uh, two for four from the line, which isn't very good, but two assists, no turnovers, a steal. I mean, he played really well. He's had two good games in a row now, uh, just after that dud and the, you know, the egg he laid on in Northwestern. Yeah. So he seems yep. you know, <laughs> as consistently uh, good as he's seen this season, except again, just that little lapse. If, if you want to take a broad view, that's four out of the last five that he's right. been really good. Yeah. And then one where he absolutely fell off the face of the earth. But uh, I'll take four out of five. You know, here's another thing about Malik. Look out. But after today, he's up to 29% from three. Almost he's there. He's knocking on the door. I am, I am, at this point, I am going to be surprised if he does not end the season at least in the low 30s. Maybe even mid-30s because, as we've talked about, his volume is low enough that a couple of hot games. Yeah. Well, look at today. He gets one shot. He bumps up by two point one percent. It's a weird one, looking shot though. One but shot. it goes. It, it went is. In. It is. No question. And it's strange because it's unlike he ever shot it in the past. It's unlike <laughs> he shoots any other shot, even from the free throw line or, or you know, a twelve foot mid range jumper. I, I, 
I can't explain it. I'm not going to worry about it at this stage. It is what it is. Yep. And as long as they are going in with more frequency, and they are, um, that's a that's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but I think overall, let's look overall at the way he played. That was a really good effort from Malik Call. That is exactly the way I want to see him playing because he was really aggressive in the and looking to get in the post. And, and, and look, at this point, I think you can say fairly when he's that, when he's got that mentality, he's a legitimately good low post scoring option. I'm not going to say he's Zach Eady, but, <laughs> but Malik Hall can get you production there. And, and the biggest thing to me is simple, uh, in regard to that, you want to see him doing what he did for the most part today which is going straight up or looking to go through people yes. and not fading away. Yes. He can hit fadeaway jumpers at times, but it's a negative for him mm-hmm. and a negative for MSU. Um, when he plays the way he did today, he is a very productive player. Yeah. I think teams make a mistake not doubling him because I think once he gets, if you don't do it early, I think he gets, feels, gets comfortable and then he starts hurting you. We're, we're, I suspect, that we're right on the verge of seeing that change. Yeah. It should. You're absolutely right. I would, and and I would say the same thing as he gets more reps. Um, you know, they didn't double Jackson Kohler either. Right. And and we'll get to him a little more in a minute, but that's another thing that I am going to be surprised if we don't see that change in terms of how opponents are playing MSU. But look, really, really good game from Malik. He deserves to be the first guy talked about because I think he was their most important player today. And that just needs, I'll state the obvious, that just needs to continue. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and then, you know, moving on to Tyson Walker, 35 minutes, uh, he played a little bit more, I think, just because Aiken's gotten some foul trouble uh, early on. Uh, four for 12 from the field, three, seven from three, real good, two of three from the line, a couple of rebounds, four assists, a turnover. Uh, well below a scoring average of 20 points at 13. He definitely had an off day shooting the twos anyway. Yeah. But but still defensively very good. I mean, he was he doesn't he doesn't let his offense affect his defense much, which is really positive sign. What you'd expect from him. You know, it's absolutely and and it's important to note, you know, guys that are having the kind of offensive seasons that Tyson Walker is having, sometimes when they're where they're in a rough spot, it's just not going the way it normally does on a given day you'll see those players hunt shots and maybe get outside of themselves to try and get themselves going and that is something that to his credit Tyson Walker pretty much never does mm-hmm. um, when he takes shots and I think this was true today they are within the flow of the offense and they are good shots yeah very rarely uh, it's hard to think. The closest today was he took one. It was a three in the second half at the top of the key. His ear ball. <laughs> yeah, but I, I understood it. Mm-hmm. He didn't realize how close that defender was to him, and it affected the shot. But that's normally, that's a play at MSU's running where they're looking to do exactly that, get him in rhythm and 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 get him a look and without a lot of hesitation on it. And he didn't hesitate caught the ball went straight up and um 
it just was unfortunate. But uh, so again, I don't even classify that as a bad shot. It was more unfortunate than anything else. But uh, he is um, fortunately for Michigan State not a guy who's going to just keep hunting until he finds the rhythm again. Uh, you know, at least uh, unless you're in a situation where Michigan State as they have been at s- on some occasions this year, where he's the only thing they've got going. Yeah, right. Um, and that was not the case today, so credit to him. But I'm with you. Uh, kind of a, a little bit of an off day, but still, we're saying an off day is 13 points, <laughs> 3 for 7 from 3, 4 assists, 1 turnover, good defense. It's not a bad off day. Yeah. And Aikens also, you could, uh, you know, he ended up filing out of the game, ended with 4 rebounds, yeah. so he's 3 of 7 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. Uh, two turnovers, no assists, uh, nine points. Not a great game, but again, he defensively, I thought he was really good. And he I was, think, and I think that was, again, you know, his just like Walker, not maybe not offensively as his best game, but he's still effective on on the other end of the floor. I thought he had a couple of weird foul calls too. Well, yeah, I agree. The one that fouled him out, <laughs> but, but but uh, yeah, right, not. You know, all the all the shots he took were good shots. You know, all the yeah. threes at least. And he hit half of them. So he continues finding his way back from that rough start. He's got to be knocking on the door of forty percent now on the year, I would think. I haven't I haven't looked at updated stats, but he has to be. Thirty eight point six. Okay. So he's right there. Yeah. Um that's you know, that's what you want. That steady defense and um and rebounding. And all helpful. Yeah. And AJ, afterwards, Tom is, at least on the radio show, mentioned that he thought AJ had one of his worst first worst halves in quite a while in the first half. He did. I uh, agree. It, yeah. And he had that little stretch. I don't know if it was in the second half or it was in the first half where he kind of, you could see just too emotional. He sort of, he, he yep. shot a three and he kind of got a foul and he had a turnover or something. But to his credit, he sort of uh, righted the ship. He And he has been at least watching him on the floor, a much better leader than he, than I feel like he's been, you know, he's, he's not complaining about other players play. It doesn't seem like it to me. And he's definitely like lifting him up. And I, I've been very impressed with him. He's much, he seemed, he's shown a lot more maturity, only seven points, but you know, he's looked, he looked much better like in command of the, of the game. Yeah. It was not a good game for him overall. I, I definitely concur with this. I thought the first half he was flat bad. Um, as you said, took took some poor shots, mm-hmm. um, and uh, wasn't wasn't really creating, distributing the way you want him to. Um, but to his credit, I think he was steady at least in the second half, mm-hmm. and he was fortunate that he got picked up by you know a reserve today at yeah. his position who was able to contribute. Um, in the ways that AJ wasn't doing as much of, so um, impressive that that happens, and and nice nice to see that AJ recovered and I think played a, a better game in the in the second twenty, uh, which is what you want to see. Yeah, That's what you want to see from right. a leader, you, a veteran guy is able to shrug it off and say, "All right, I got to be better," and then goes out and does it. Yeah, and just I mean, talk about Trey Holloman. Uh, you know, 27 minutes, three or six from the field, all threes, uh, had a rebound and six assists, no turnovers, sort of typical line from him and had a block as well. Yeah. What, what a, uh, 
I mean, he's been to me. He's been surprising this season. I don't think I expected the shooting. Uh, I didn't. I expected him to be solid defensively. I expect him to be a little better offensively too. But he is. He is. Uh, I'm excited to watch him as he continues to progress this season. I'm really impressed with how far he's come. And I know we thought he was going to do more this season, but I think he's exceeded. He certainly exceeded my expectations. I'm not sure about you. A, a little bit in terms of I. I would not have said wherever he is, 45 percent plus yeah. from three. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been comfortable saying yeah I expect that, but I did think he was going to be a lot better and I thought he was going to be more aggressive in looking for a shot and that he should be, because even last year you could see mm-hmm. this kid has a good shooter at him yeah his release looks good, um, he was productive in high school, there's no reason to think that uh that he can't be, um a a productive offensive player. But we're seeing it, and and I'll tell you where the sign is to me as to where his confidence level has gotten. And he hit one of these. It might have been the last one he hit in the second half. <laughs> yeah, was, that one in I transition. Think it might have been, yes, where he just steps into a transition three. That is a, a sign, a telltale sign of a guy who firmly believes every shot he puts up is going in. Yep. Whether they do or not is another issue, but his confidence level is there, and and it, for good reason, because the results have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think today the other thing that I would note, you saw all the other stuff. He was very good defensively. That block was tremendous. I don't know how obvious that was in in Breslin, but that was a recovery play that he made. It was almost <laughs> was almost a guard doing. The kind of thing that Jaron Jackson did a lot of when he was here, where he <laughs> got beat. Yeah, and it, and in Trey's fault, it wasn't that he got beat; it was that he got picked off by a screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that he fought through it, recovered enough to be in position to make that play. There was another instance where he had a defensive rebound, where more than most plays, you could see the incredible length he has. Yeah. He just went up and his arm just kept extending like inspector. <laughs> is it inspector gadget or plastic yeah, right, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um and he corralled it, you know, barely, but he, he had enough he had enough wings wingspan to to get it. Um but I think the thing that I was really the thing that we don't always see from him, but I know he has because I saw it from him in high school. He is a very rare kind of point guard, and this is what I mean. Most guys who make highlight reel plays can do that. Obviously, it means they have great vision, great instincts, all of that, and a flair for the dramatic. But they also usually are the kind of guys who take a lot of risks. Yeah. And so turnovers are higher. Trey Holloman had some, as much as any plays he's made this year, Highlight reel, like no look passes for buckets, just really high level, entertaining, big moment kind of stuff. And and yet the turnovers are almost non-existent. That is a very rare line that he is walking. And um it bodes <laughs> we've <laughs> talked about this here before, but when you think about and I'm projecting here. I'm already. I'm doing the thing I usually admonish people for doing, <laughs> Next which is year. <laughs> getting ahead of ourselves. Right. But when you think about MSU 
having two point guards like Trey Holloman, who's leading the nation, I believe, now in assist turnover mm-hmm. ratio, yeah. and Jeremy Fears, who was at a 4.3 to 1 um, before he got hurt, which is crazy good. And you consider that both of those guys are actually dynamic players who penetrate, they look to create shots for teammates. They're not doing Fran McCaffrey's kids and just swinging the ball on the arc and occasionally getting an assist for that. These guys are true playmakers. That sets you up very, very well going forward for the future. Yeah, then um, I guess finishing out the starting starters, uh, Matty Sissoko, uh, one for five from the field, had had a couple points, split some free throws, had seven rebounds. Uh, but you know, I think defensively was pretty good and, uh, yes. able to prevent yes. them from doing much of anything. You know, Cliff Amore had, he was out of foul trouble a little bit, partly because of Mahdi, but you know, I think he held his own inside along with Cooper too. I mean, they both, you know, that's platooning that position. Yes. I, I, I still think despite, um, the lack of point production, which is never my metric when it comes to, um, when it comes to Mahdi Sissoko anyway, I think Mahdi had a nice day. I mm-hmm. really do. I thought he defended very well. Yeah, Cliff's been struggling. As we talked about on the preview, he hadn't scored the way I think they expected him to, and certainly not the way I expected him to. I thought uh, I, because of his, his pattern through his career, been to get better and better each year, I thought he would probably be uh, at least a 16, 17-point-a-night guy. hasn't happened. But Mahdi and Carson Cooper both, I think played very well against him defensively. So I was happy with the way Mahdi played. Yeah. And I, boy, I would say though, the both Mahdi and Carson, it's really trouble hanging onto the ball. I mean, a lot of fumbles and, and Mahdi, you know, in, from the, fir- a, in the first half, Carson yeah. caught one in the second. Yeah. He caught, he finally caught someone in the second half and some good passes too. That just, Izzo, Izzo talked about it with Andy Katz going in the locker room for, for those who were at the game and didn't see the broadcast. Um, said, well, first thing is I gotta I gotta find some or I've gotta get my big guys to catch a pass. <laughs> and and they did. Yeah, look, but but you know what? Here's the thing. And I'm not saying that's great. I'm not saying it's ideal, but this is a known factor. Right. Right. It's a known thing. So I understand that you can't tell your point guards or expect your point guards, hey, don't look to make a play. Of course not. But I do think there's some um, there's some Judd KYP know your personnel in yeah, there. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. That's that's what I think. And so I understand you got to play the game the way it unfolds, and you can't ask your guards not to look to make plays. But you know this is a you know this is a factor. So I think they also need to keep that in mind too, and, and try to balance that. Yeah, you just have to be smart. You're heading it, sending it down to the post with either Mahdi or Cooper. They got to be pretty deep before you're giving, you know, feeding the ball. If they're out, you know, ten, twelve feet, there's just no point to it unless you're resetting the offense. And the reality is that if you're gonna if you're gonna throw a hard pass at them, you're taking a chance. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. That's just that's reality. I wish it wasn't the case, but it is. Yeah. And I'm not, and that's not trying to excuse those guys, you know, but, but hand, but hands, I'm a little, I'm a little more surprised with Carson because I honestly didn't see that 
as a major problem when he got opportunities last year. Yeah, I agree. I think it's been more prevalent this year, and I want to believe there's still an opportunity for that to get better for him, as to, at least a bit, as time goes on. Um, with Madi, hey, man, we're four years in. You know the deal. So, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Xavier Booker played seven minutes. He had two turns, uh, both in the first and second half. He's one for two from three. Had a couple pair of rebounds, one offensive, uh, finished with three points. I thought he did pretty well out there. I still think he looks, and I don't, uh, I'm not sure if it's partly because he's not, sometimes he's playing the four and sometimes he's playing the five. He just looks a little unsure what he's supposed to do offensively, like how he's supposed to be out there, uh, you know, setting screens or if he's, you know, supposed to be somewhere else. And so that, I feel like that's caused a little bit of confusion for him. Yeah, at, at times. I'm, I'm actually more concerned with confusion on the defensive end and i and i was sure he didn't he didn't look confused to me today i agree part of it is that you know there's some guys who just have kind of a laconic nature about them and even if they are playing with focus and playing quote-unquote hard it doesn't look like it and i think that might be Xavier Booker. It it also happens when the same player doesn't tend to show a lot of emotion and Book doesn't play with a lot of emotion. That's something I know they've been working with him to get him to do because the feeling is when you play with emotion, that in turn has an effect of helping you to find additional reservoirs of energy mm-hmm. and, and to play harder. Um, good to see him hit a shot. It looks smooth. We all know he can hit a three. No surprise. Glad to see him get the two rebounds. Um, the offensive one kind of just fell to him. So that wasn't much, but he had a defensive rebound late in the game that I thought was actually pretty good. Yeah. So, um, you know, positive step. Glad to see him. I'm sure he wasn't happy about not playing at Illinois. So it was good to see him get an opportunity and do a little something with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I'm expect we'll see him a couple turns against Minnesota as well. I think, you know, well for, for now. Yeah. Yeah. You would, you would for, especially because Minnesota can at times go with big lineups. Mm-hmm. They have that capability and they do it some. So there, there should be an opportunity for matchups that won't, won't leave him more exposed than some others would. Uh, you know, like Illinois, for example, that that just was not a game where you were going to feel comfortable playing book. You just weren't. Yeah. So um, Minnesota could be different. Well, and finally, I guess to talk about Jackson Kohler, he can't. This is the first time he had some real minutes. He had played eight minutes, had two turns, and uh, you know missed his first first field goal. And the second time, he had a nice little post move and and got in there. And you saw kind of those. It was a real quick move where he kind of came around the right. Um, and laid off the boards had a rebound as well. But I think, you know, for me, the biggest thing is that he looked physically like he was okay. Like he was running fast. He was moving yep. well. And well, there were, you know, he didn't look like he was limited in any way. There was that play that is a love where Tyson, <laughs> His Superman think, slide the ball loose <laughs> and it just kept going, straddling the sideline, but not going out of bounds. And Jackson laid out to try to, and I actually, initially i'm still not 100 percent convinced oh yeah he almost knocked it off his foot yeah 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 it 
it looked to me live. I thought he did. And then he saw the replay. It was tough to tell. I don't have a major problem with the call going the way it did, but it was a hell of an effort. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing that you see from a guy who's not afraid. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. a great sign. Loved the bucket. First of all, just get him, you know, third game. Nice to get him a bucket. Finally, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. What I really liked about it was that play, though, and I believe it was Trey Hollum who was in that two-man game with him. So Trey went in the post to Jackson. He didn't like what he had, kicked it back out to Trey, and then Trey didn't even hesitate. You mentioned Jackson making a quick move, which he did, but the re-entry was quick as well. There was no hesitation, which sometimes, you know, you see guys uh, just take too long to make decisions. Or the entry pass. There was one that really frustrated me. I don't know what it was. AJ might have been Tyson on an entry to Malik Hall in a possession that ended up with a missed shot. The thing that really irritated me about it is Malik had his was on his spot, and the entry pass was completed, but it took him way off his spot. Mm-hmm. You have to. You have to actually. It's it post entry is a lost art. Because there's relatively less post play, period, fewer mm-hmm. opportunities. But when you do it, you gotta, when a guy's got position established, get it to him in the right place at the right time. And that play with Jackson, both of those things happen. So that was really, really important um, to give him a chance to then go into that move and convert. Um, but good stuff. Nice to see him gonna play. I'm, I agree with you, he's moving well. I didn't see any obvious defensive breakdowns. No. Um, I will I will say this. Um, for those who are clamoring for him to be involved at the four, thus far, I'm not seeing it. They're using him at the five. Yeah, I think so, we, we and, will and, see that. And I'm, I'm happy to see that, at least for now. Yeah. Because I think that's an easier transition for him defensively. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're looking at and Madi and Carson – I mean, if they have one less turn, it's not that big a deal. You know, bring right. some minutes. It's not like you have yeah. one of them so dominant and so where you're like, well, I can't take this, take him out of the game. They're right. sort of, you know, in many ways interchangeable. So uh, it's yep. impressive seeing them. So, and look, if Jackson can do, you know, we talked about Malik, I think is really become not a dominant post player, but he's giving this team a legitimate option. And, if Jackson can add to that, well, that's going to make the offense at least a little more diverse, which nobody's going to argue with. Yeah. And I guess we didn't even talk about Cone Carr. Ten minutes, two for four from the field. Uh, continues to have his uh, nation-leading freshman uh, field goal percentage, I think. Uh, four rebounds, two of them offensive. Uh, one off his really bad shot, and then he <laughs> followed up. He had a block. And uh, it's... It was end up in resulting in turnover, a uh, ten second violation. But I, I still am hard time believing how high he jumped to get that one errant pass. I mean, it was insane how high he went up. I feel like he's like eye level with me, and I'm in the second, <laughs> the second level. They've been at Breslin. All you're not wrong to, to call attention to that on the broadcast. They talked about that for a good 15, 20 seconds after it happened, and then Dave Rebson, Dave Rebson, who was exactly Dave Rebson, who was doing play by play, said. You know, we're still talking about how high Cohen Carr jumped <laughs> and haven't mentioned that there was a 10-second violation <laughs> on that play. It was, yeah, 
it's look, we it, we all know he is an incredible athlete. I I liked I liked the way he played. You know, there was one there was one segment. Um, you know, the the only guy really had it going for them offensively from from deep. Yeah, was Hyatt. was uh, was Hyatt. Yeah. And there was one segment where Cohen was at the four, Malik was on the bench, and it was the only time I thought Hyatt had a good look, and it was because Cohen just didn't extend out quickly enough. He wasn't with him, mm -hmm. and so the recovery was just too late. Hyatt hit some on Malik, too, but those were actually pretty decently contested shots, I thought that the kid just hit. You tap you tip your hat on those. Right. Cohen's there's a little bit of a breakdown. I'm like, well, that's it. He's uh a you know, rear end meat pine. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Malik went to the scorer's table. So it was it was a luster of the fact that look, I love Cohen's energy. I love the way he, he goes at it. I think the future is incredibly bright for him. But uh he's not a finished product defensively. At times He's been good. Yeah. But sometimes recognition type stuff, which again, not unusual for a freshman. So I'm not really coming at him about that. Just noting that there, there are strides that continue to need to be made. But, you know, you look at, you look at the other end of things and you see the kind of loud plays he can make that, that nobody else can not in the same way. And, um, it's a hell of a thing to have on your side. Yeah, no question. His athleticism makes up for a lot of his de deficiencies. You know, recognizing things, and he can recover yep. in ways that other players just have no chance recovering. And once Absolutely. he gets, once he gets the recognition and gets, you know, better feel for where he's supposed to be in positioning with that athleticism and no longer having to recover, boy, you know, watch out. I mean, it would be interesting to see how that turns out. Well, let's move on to yep. our um, our further uh, sponsors of the game. Uh, we'll begin with the. Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids. Uh, remember, you can get 15% off if you mention Rebound when you go get your uh, estimate. They can clean residential windows, high-rises, commercial. They do it all. They also can power wash your house. And they are even out here in weather like this. <laughs> I'm sitting out here looking at uh, over a foot of snow outside my house. And they're coming out Tuesday <laughs> to do the windows, clean the screens, clean the window uh, windowsills and all that sort of thing. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how nice it'll be on, my, on the side of my house. So they do a great work, and I'll tell you exactly how they do uh, for my house and what a difference it makes, but I'm looking forward to it. As I look out, what is really, truly a winter wonderland, it's unbelievable seeing like basically eight inches of snow sitting on every limb. Uh, it's really beautiful. And if you didn't have to shovel it, it'd be even prettier. But, you know, that is the that's the, uh, the trade-off with winter. Uh, so they sponsor the Who Which Mission State Player Cleans the Glass the Best. And you picked Madi Sissoko. I had Malik Hall. Madi finished with seven and Malik with six. And Cooper had five. So you win. So you get your one first one on the win column. You get hits three one now. And, you know, my wife turned to me. She's like, oh, if Malik had just fought Aikens a little bit harder for that rebound, it'd been a tie <laughs> near the end of the second half. Uh, but anyway, so congratulations to you. And uh, Michigan State did, from a rebounding standpoint, out rebounded Rutgers, which we expected actually, although. Um, you know, the 37 to 30, they really pulled away at the end as far as when Rutgers finally started missing some shots, but uh, a pretty good rebounding performance. And, you know, from a offensive rebounding standpoint, uh, Rutgers was not very good. They were, you know, 17%, Michigan State with 27% offensive rebounding. So even not Michigan State, not great when we thought they might have more chances, but nothing to get too upset about, I think. 
they were um well we'll we'll talk about it more when we get to the keys. I thought I thought they were really good in terms of their offensive rebounding when it was more necessary. When it mattered, yeah. Right. In the first half when they were missing shots, second half they shot better. So it was it was a little uh, there were fewer opportunities and it was a little less impactful, but I actually I got to I have to look at the numbers. We'll, we'll turn back to it when we go to the, yeah, we'll get we go to the keys. Uh, so the uh, brothers suggest you gutters also another guys who get up on the ladders this time of year, even when it's lousy weather, they'll get up there and fix your gutters, repair them, replace them, whatever you need done. They will come out and do it. Even in the snow, they'll be out there. Maybe not a blizzard, but you know, if it's snowing lightly, they'll be out there on the ladders. I promise you. Uh, so make sure you check out your gutters. If you've got problems, you don't want them to persist. They can cause all kinds of problems, damage to your house and your basement. Uh, so you want to keep that water away from your house. And so if you think you might have a trouble, not even in your residence, but maybe your your business so they can do commercial as well they'll come out and do whatever needs to be done and they'll do it quickly and have great pricing 10 percent off you mentioned final four when you get your estimate from the brothers adjust your gutters they also have heated gutters since again like i said i'm looking at about a foot of snow sitting on my roof if you want to not have big bolt uh buildup of ice and snow on your gutter it is a great option for either your business or your home uh you can again brothersgutters.com you can find the contact information below uh, to find ways to contact the franchise, either in the greater Grand Rapids area or the Metro Detroit area, uh, the brothers suggest your gutters. And so the player that Michigan State had to keep in the gutter was Andre Hyatt. Uh, he finished, he averaged, uh, I think it's a little over 12 points a game. He finished with 14. He was four for nine from the field, three for seven from three, three or four from the line, a rebound, an assist, no turnovers. He ended up fouling out at the end of the game. He, had, he was kind of in and out of the game because of foul trouble. Um, you know, I don't. I guess I don't know what you think. I think he just kind of played an average game. He didn't. He wasn't super impactful. He he definitely kept Rutgers in the game by hitting those threes early. Yes, uh, it's a hard one for me because it's hard to say a guy who scores slightly above his seasonal average that you kept him in the gutter. But I'm with you. I think that I think that he's not just a three point shooter. In fact, that's not the majority of what he does. And he only had one basket inside the arc in this game um he only had one rebound this yeah, guy who yeah, remember correctly yeah so they kept him off the boards and i also think you look at what michigan state's power forwards did against him you know malik hall won that battle yeah so um we'll call it a draw yeah i think that's pretty i think that's fair he definitely, and I feel like the the threes he hit, they were contested. They were like pretty good, pretty other, well defended. Other than so, the one, yeah, other the one the he one had was wide open against Cohen. Yeah, the ones against Malik, I agree with. Those were tough shots that he hit. So, hey, okay, tip your hat, credit to credit to him for hitting them. But those were not great looks. Yeah, I mean, for for quite a while that game, you know, I was watching, looking over, and Rutgers is shooting fifty percent from three. I'm like, this is not this is not sustainable, and it. Ultimately, it wasn't. Right. They ended up missing a bunch later. So, uh, let's talk about the keys of the game. Then brought to you by Nudge Printing. Nudge Printing is your go-to spot to get Spartan apparel or other collegiate apparel. They've got a massive selection: hoodies, t-shirts, sweatshirts, whatever you need. Uh, they've got stuff that's basketball, football, whatever you need as far as Spartan stuff. They also have vintage Spartan logos. So head on over to Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com. Uh, you can get anything you want 20% off if you mention final four or I should say type in final four at checkout to get 20% off for listeners of the show and the first key of the game 
which maybe the, the most obvious or it was just win. And Michigan State definitely did that. And they won in a fashion that was uh, impressive at the end. Yeah, you know, you needed a conference when you needed to keep doing what you've been doing against teams that are a little bit overmatched, and that's beat them impressively. And that's exactly what Michigan State did. Um, you know, it, it's it's what was it's what they what the doctor ordered. Now, does it mean that you're home free? Of course not. It's it's a it's a step in the right direction, and and they need to keep putting one foot in front of the other and and string this into multiple positive steps. But uh, it's hard to be dissatisfied with this one, you know, in any in any respect. It's interesting because I think, you know, in years past, and this goes along to a point you made earlier, very often Michigan State does not cover the spread, you know, when it comes to right. games. And they did certainly didn't cover the spread in the Northwestern game. But I feel like most games they seem to be covering the spread is certainly at home where they just really... Yeah. Just taking care of business pretty easily. And that, and like you said, that does not seem to be, that is not usually a trend by Michigan State, which is, which is why the analytics sometimes are not kind to them. Some, one thing that Tom Izzo has actually talked about and, um, and you're seeing them do is many times in games where they're comfortably up, you would see him go to walk ons deep reserves earlier. And he's right. actually mentioned that he's, not doing that to the same extent this year because you pay a price. Yeah. If you, in this game, if Rutgers have been able to maybe make it a 14 or a 13 point margin in the end, Michigan state pays a little price Mm -hmm. analytically. And that does matter or could matter when it comes to, again, seating selection on less or seating lines. I'm less hot up on, but, selection Sunday it, it can matter and so he's approached it a little differently this year and and today was a prime example I think in years past you would have seen Nick Sanders and Steven Izzo come in maybe a minute minute and a half sooner yeah I think that's but they did that's right yeah it makes it and it makes it harder for them to obviously you know Steven Izzo trying to get that first bucket which he ended up getting but it's been harder from the season because he's he's had very less time to try right. and pull that off. Like right. you know, two offensive possessions, maybe maybe and, three. And and look, yeah, Big Ten games, as we've said, it's not every Big Ten game that you have an eighteen point margin rare. with three yeah, minutes to play. Right, you don't typically. The game is not definitively over usually. Yeah, with three moved, minutes to play. Moving on to the second key to the game, perimeter shooting, as you, we mentioned before, Michigan State was 5 of uh, five of 11, and then they went 0 for 8 to finish the game in Illinois. And so, you know, would that carry over? Well, Michigan State ended up shooting for the game 48% from three, which is, I don't know, pretty good. <laughs> 40, yeah. And, and, and a high volume, high volume 12 of 25, yep. too. Yeah, 12 of 25, yep. 7 of 13 from the second half. I mean, uh, everybody, everybody shot the ball well. And they really spread it around. Yep. You know, uh, it was a lot of guys. Tyson, three for seven. Jaden, three for six. What was uh, Trey was three for six. Uh, Malik, one for one. AJ, one for three. So it came, uh, Book was one for two. Mm-hmm. So it came from a lot of different places. And, and look, there, there's just, the, the bottom line is this is a good shooting team. 
a good jump shooting team. It is. We've seen enough now. Yeah. I, I think that the start was really unfortunate. And it it kind of, as we talked about at the time, you kind of saw it almost spread like a contagion. <laughs> where confidence, confidence, uh, we're talking about here. But that's long gone. Doesn't mean they're going to shoot 40% plus every time out. But when, I, when I'm trying to evaluate my mind where this team is at and what, what they are, if you're asking me the question, is this a team that, that expects to do damage from the perimeter that can hurt pretty much any opponent from out there and will get an appropriate amount of its scoring done from there? My answer is yes to all of those. Yeah. They've just proven it, you know? And as I've been saying, the last guy who really needs to um, make strides to get somewhere near the ballpark of where you would have expected him to be as a shooter is Malik Hall, and lo and behold, he's up to 29%. Yeah. Uh, everybody else, I think, you know, AJ's kind of right around where he was last year. Um, Tyson's 40%. Uh, Trey is way above. And Jaden's getting up close to forty percent. If you have if you have three guys that are forty percent plus shooters at your guard spots, that's that's a dangerous team. And Michigan State could easily end up there by the time it's all said and done. So yeah. it was what we said in the preview was that just look after that zero for eight, which was kind of an unpleasant way to finish that game. You just wanted to see them get right back doing what they've been doing for weeks now, and they absolutely did that. And by the way, did it against a very good defensive team. Not not a lockdown team against threes is Rutgers, but they're still in the top 100 defensively against threes. And they, and they also do a decent job in limiting the number of attempts you got. Well, Michigan State got 25 up today. Yeah. So they didn't really limit those very well either, which is another sign of how well Michigan State played offensively in the second half. Everything, ball movement, man movement, energy, pace, was all massively better in the second half. And so that's how you go from whatever they were, 36% from the floor in the first half to 53% in the second. Mm -hmm. It's not an accident. Yeah, and so then looking at the next key to the game was the transition game uh you know we didn't expect Michigan State to get a lot done but again this is a team that Rutgers that holds its opponents to really really slow offense and anytime you can get in get a shot up earlier it's going to be to your advantage especially for Michigan State they're obviously much better with that and so fast break points 10 to 6 in Michigan State's favor there's some secondary things too that Michigan State got into their offense a yep. little bit sooner yep. which helped I think Malik had one in particular that I recall where he'd they just he just got it. I think he had like Simpson on him, and so he got in, in the post and he got a pretty easy bucket that way. So yep, and and that all Absolutely. happened in the second half during that just run where they just blew out the blew out uh, eighteen or nineteen in a row on Rutgers to just to end the game. Yeah, it was a night. It was a nineteen zero stretch that really won the game. Uh yeah, I'm with you. I think that once again, as we often talk about, the fast break points really don't give you a complete picture of the quality of your transition play. And I think that was definitely true today. And also just the the pace of play in that second half. Michigan State, I believe, let me check, make sure I've got this right. I think they had 31 points at halftime. 
Um, no, I'm sorry. They no. only had 28. 20, it's 28, 22 40, at half. 45 points in the second half, 73 for the game against a Rutgers team that just doesn't give up those kind of numbers yeah. very often. So I think that tells you how much better it was in the second half. And and I think I think it made a difference. You know, as we said, every every time, every possession you can have that you're not going five on five in the half court against Rutgers is a is a good thing. And Michigan State had enough of those, I thought. Yeah. Uh, so then the next uh, next one is the second chances. We mentioned that Rutgers not a good off- offensive rebounding team. They're also a poor defensive rebounding team, so opportunities for Michigan State get extra chances. And like you said, that Michigan State had a bunch in the first half. Uh, not a great offensive rebound rate, twenty seven percent, but they really did limit Rutgers to only seventeen percent from um, the offensive end. So uh, definitely a win there for Michigan State, and not letting a bad offense team second and third opportunities to uh, to score. Yeah, I think, okay, so we'll view this first Michigan State's offensive rebounding since Rutgers is a terrible defensive rebounding team. By the numbers, you would say Michigan State didn't get the job done. But Mm -hmm. I think, and they only had, off those offensive rebounds, they only had 12 second chance points. But if they didn't all come in the first half, almost all of them did. And that was very, very important or the reason I suggested it might be, which is Rutgers can defend. And if you're going against them regularly in the half court, you might not shoot the way you normally do. And second chances could be critical because it gives you an opportunity to still end up scoring on a possession where you miss a shot, which often happens against them. I thought in the first half when Michigan State was not moving the ball particularly well, they weren't playing with enough pace on the offensive end, and they weren't scoring enough points, the offensive rebounding and second-chance scoring was big. Yeah. They got at least, I don't know if it was, I'd, I'd love to go back and see, um, at least a couple of their threes, maybe maybe as many as three of them, came um came on second chances. Yeah, they had a couple of scramble ones for sure. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was just, that was great. One thing that you have to say about Michigan State, and I think it was true in the Illinois game, and it was definitely true again today, after the effort against Northwestern where it was just, you didn't feel like they were playing with the kind of toughness, the kind of force that we expect to see. This, again, today was another example, as was the game in Champaign where I thought Michigan State played Spartan basketball. Yeah, they played hard. They were getting 50-50 yeah. balls. They were all over the, yep. the floor. Yeah, no, I, th- I think so. Uh, so. The fifth and final key to the game was poise. And so Mich- so Rutgers definitely has a, a chance, uh, or they have a tendency to turn people over. And Michigan State, although they had quite a few turnovers in the first half, I think they had like six or seven. 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 They ended up they with uh, only, only nine, so they just had two more in the second half. They did a much better job holding the ball. Rutgers finished with 10. And I also think with poise, we did not mention this, but I think the fact that Rutgers was shooting really well from three in the first half, for Michigan State to hang in there and not kind of let that get them. I mean, they Rutgers shot 43%. They ended up with 39% for the game, which is 11 points higher than their you know season average. So they were they shot the ball really well from for them. And it didn't really affect <laughs> affect Michigan State. They, they hung in there despite being pushed by Rutgers. Over the course of the game, I would agree, it didn't take them out of what they want to do. Um, and that is an important part of poise. You're right. 
Um, I think there was a segment we talked about with AJ where he got kind of yeah. bits to some of that, but it didn't last long. Mm-hmm. And and I think, look, the, the fact that MSU was able to settle down and only commit two turnovers in the second half, that's another big reason why you're looking for reasons why Michigan State scored 45 points in the second half and were so yeah. much better. Well, you don't turn it over. That helps. Um, look, this is... I don't think this is hyperbole. This is the best team Tom Izzo's ever had from that perspective. Valuing the ball, not giving it away, and making sure that the possession is ending with you at least getting a shot up. You know, that is not something that's usually an area of emphasis at Michigan State. It's not something they've ever particularly excelled in. It's overcome by their strengths in other areas. The thing about this team is I I don't think that they're doing it because they're reinventing how MSU is playing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it's they're not, not playing like, Yeah, know, they're not playing Wisconsin basketball so that well, well they were yeah, last year a little bit, but they're yeah, not they're, they're intentionally slowing down. We've talked about how of late they've been much better and I thought it was true again today at trying to play fast because that's an advantage for them. So they're still doing that. They just they've got a collection of players that I think um, just happened to, for whatever reasons, that they're just not as mistake-prone. You know, I talked about Trey Holloman and Jeremy Fears, two guys like that. And then you add in Malik Hall is making those kinds of, uh, he's making decisions at a much better way, in a much better way than he ever has in his career. Jade Nakin's solid. Tyson Walker's very, very good. AJ, who's your your leader, is probably the guy who's most prone to playing in a more typical Michigan State fashion. Yeah. But it's only one guy. So, yeah, that was really important. You know, we talked about Rutgers isn't a ball-hawking team, and they weren't today. But that defense, when they string you out and make you play 30 seconds of offense in order to get a shot up, sometimes that's going to lead to the opponent making more mistakes than they otherwise would. And Michigan State did a great job of avoiding that. They also did a great job of not falling prey to, in general, to what that that 30-second thing can, can do to you. And on the flip side, I think MSU had three shot clock violations forced. They had two in the first half. I'm not sure if they had one in the second. I don't remember. Yeah, pretty sure they pretty sure they had three, and there was a fourth where they were 0.2 seconds away from getting it, Um, where the ball went ball went out of bounds, and they and they were correct when they when the officials looked at it to give them 0.2, but that was basically a fourth. So just outstanding. Look, we know Rutgers is challenged offensively and all the rest, all true, but. That doesn't change the fact that Michigan State was really locked in on the defense event today. Yeah, I mean, Rutgers is not good, but they still held a, a team to 50 points, or 55, I guess. That's, that's outstanding, and this is why Michigan yeah. State has, the, this is why the metrics like them, because Michigan State, as much as you know, they've lost a bunch of games, but they still are really good defensively, and they've, they yep. showed it again today. And it yep, it's gonna absolutely it's, it'll start showing up in the in the win loss column at some point. Well, it's going to start. Well, I think I think we we're I think we're here. we're about to see it. Yeah, I we're would. about to see. It. Let's hope. 
the schedule <laughs> the schedule is such that you know this is the period and when i say this is the period it really largely will be true the rest of the way where you expect michigan state to really reel off several wins that doesn't mean they're going to they're going to win them all and you know at wisconsin at purdue i would say you know maybe after today it's funny you know maryland is a team who didn't have quite <laughs> the terrible. level of expectation michigan state did but they were expected to be a good team and i picked them i want to say fifth or sixth in I the league check. so i yeah, thought yeah. they'd be good yeah. i thought they'd be good and they've been really bad for much of this year but they just went into champagne this afternoon as we're recording this and i watched the end of it when we started our 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 episode here uh and they handled illinois and so now you're looking at next weekend michigan state goes into college park that game maybe looks a little different than it did a week ago but mm-hmm. regardless yeah there's some there's some tough games it's not that they're all going to be cakewalks but it's why i emphasized near the outset of this episode the importance of michigan state taking care of business against teams they ought to beat the way that they have yeah there's going to be a lot of those games coming up because the Big Ten's got more bad teams than it normally has. Yeah, you know, absolutely. if you look at it, Iowa's not any good at all this year for the first time in a while. Um, Minnesota, they, they've managed to rack up some wins. They're maybe a little more competitive than might have thought. It's not a great team. We've seen Penn State. Um, Rutgers we've seen Rutgers. Yeah. Well, then, no, they don't go. They don't go to Rutgers, but yeah, um, Michigan. Michigan's terrible. There's some yeah. bad basketball teams in this league, <laughs> so there, there are opportunities, I think, for Michigan State to really start ringing up some wins. And by the end of this thing, look, if your expectation, as ours was, was that Michigan State can win the Big Ten, are you going to be a little bit disappointed? vis-a-vis that expectation where this ends up. Yeah, almost certainly. Because I don't think they're going to win the Big Ten. But um, is this thing going to look a lot closer to what that expectation was than it does right now? Yeah, I'd, I'd bet the house on that. Yeah. All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll end it well, there. Well, oh, well we did? Have... No, 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 no. We did not talk about maybe or not, not much about maybe the most important thing outside of getting the win that happened in this game, and that was Stephen Izzo. That's right. We should talk about Stephen Izzo. And- his first basket as a Michigan State <laughs> basketball player. And I, I just top to bottom how great that was. So we'll start yeah. with the play itself. He crossed over the defender. He was a scholarship player. Okay. Then he goes baseline. Takes the hit, but gets the shot up. Bounces around, hit the rim. What two or three times? It was like a Hoosiers. It, it bounced, yeah, it was all yeah. over. But it looked like it was going in for where we were. It's like it just kept. I'm yeah, like, please go in, please go in. And you could see the reaction from the MSU bench, which confirms what you're saying. That was a little less obvious to see on the broadcast because it was coming from the other side. But um, it falls, which is great. And then I think this is the, the other nice little thing, little uh, dot on the eye, so to speak, is that he steps to the line and drains the free. Yeah. Convert the three-point play. Now, the coolest part to me 
about the whole thing, and I've rewatched this already a handful of times um, on the internet, is the reaction of his teammates. They went crazy. Tyson Walker sprinted over to him on the baseline to pick him up, closely followed by the rest of the entire team. You look at, I encourage people, take a look at a few replays of this and look at all the different facial expressions. Jaden Akins was the first guy, from what I could see, who had a sense that that shot was was maybe going to fall because his reaction on his face was almost immediate. And then, you know, it bounces and he's kind of jumping up and down with it and it falls and he goes crazy. Uh, but just what it says about the culture at Michigan State, the way those guys all feel about each other, that was just tremendous. You couldn't have asked for a better, um, a, a better top to what was a pretty solid day anyway Yeah, to see well, that happen. And I could say being in person, the Breslin Center went totally insane. I'm sure you could yep. hear on the broadcast, but it was the loudest it got all day. As loud as, as loud as it's been in a while, I would yeah, say. For sure, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so now he ties Nick Sanders for scoring this season, so yep. they both are averaging point four. So, you know, there's a little contest now. Those You know, Nick's got a That's three, right. and, is a, and Steven's got the, he, the bucket you know what and, else is, and one. You know what else is great about it too, and we don't know how we would we would assume that there probably aren't going to be like a boatload of opportunities for those guys to get extended minutes. Yeah, um, you know maybe a handful because as we said, there are some bad opponents. So I can see, I could see a few more where they're able to get in for a minute, minute and a half, that kind of thing. But the fact that the pressure is now off, yes, for him, for the team. So every other time those guys see the floor, they can just go out and play. Mm -hmm. They don't have to have that on there because that's, you know, yeah, it's all cute and all people chanting your name. And that's, you know, that's great. I, I'm not blaming the, the fans for doing that at all, but it had to feel like a huge weight on his shoulders. It had yeah. to because he wants to do it for himself. He wants to do it for his dad, his teammates, and of course the crowd. And I, I would I would expect he wouldn't be human if it wasn't weighing on him every time he took the floor. And now that's over. Yeah. Now yeah. he could just go out there and play freely and not sweat it, which that's is great for him. That's why I was so happy when that fell through because I'm like, oh, now he's just going to be in pressure free free throw versus his right. the previous exactly. times of line. He's got to be thinking about it and et cetera. Et yep. Cetera, so. And and of course he drained it. It looked yep. smooth and you know because the pressure's gone. So that was that was a great, great way to end this thing. And hopefully all of it today, the way MSU played, that moment, all those things will will act as a springboard to help them carry even more momentum uh, into the second half. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, into, the, into the remainder of this first half and then the second half, Big Ten. Start a nice winning streak here. Yep. Uh, so again, you know, visit our sponsors, Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com, the Brothers Just Through Gutters at brothersgutters.com, and the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids at squeegeesquad.com. Uh, also, as an added uh, little teaser here, we will be having coming up pretty soon with the Minnesota preview when Minnesota comes into the Roslyn Center on Thursday. But we will be re having returning guest, retired assistant coach, Mike Garland, who will be coming and helping break down the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, so make sure you don't miss that show. Again, if you've not yet had an opportunity, please subscribe to the show. If you're a normal Spotify person, again, make sure you get those 
those ratings in so we can get the people to realize where it is as it has moved on Spotify. So until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. <laughs>